Welcome aboard. Welcome back in to TCM Pod. Uh, again, I appreciate you guys joining me and my goat, my ghost, my co-host, the GOAT co-host, Spencer Mathis, my brother right here on TCM Pod. We had a great week, a great show last week, and uh, we mentioned our World Series prediction. That video is taken off. Uh, if you guys missed that, you might want to go hear that. You might be inclined to know who exactly we've got in the World Series, and I think it's a pretty good matchup, one that pretty much everybody would agree would be a solid matchup as of right now, mid-July, and where the teams are at as they get set for the second half of the season. But with that, Spence, wait, wait, we've got chatter across speaking, Major League Baseball. Speaking of the last podcast, um, I got under the skin of a couple of Braves fans, of course, by telling them that they don't have a good enough infield. I was just trying to find something wrong with the Atlanta Braves, which there is nothing besides maybe their left fielder, Rosario. That's probably their biggest issue. But uh, on that same note, I, I ran into Logan Dyer, who listens to the podcast now as well, he says. And he listened to last week's episode. And uh, he also had some issues with what I said about the Braves, but I already knew that he was coming to talk to me about that anyway when I was at the gym yesterday. But then he told me a story about Eli Dills and him. Um, you know Eli Dills, right? Yes, I know Eli Dills. On Sunday, on a Sunday night or Saturday night, they went to the Braves game, and after the game, um, Eli and Logan went to go eat dinner and whatnot after the game or whatnot. And they get to the place that they're going to eat dinner, and Eli Dills calls somebody, and then 20 minutes later, the Atlanta Braves relief pitcher AJ Minter shows up to dinner with them, and they had dinner together, hung out for the full night. Logan, of course, didn't get back until like five. Had a, had a, had a had a tough day the next day, but that's I thought that was a cool story with A.J. Minter, a pretty good relief pitcher, at least over the years. He's been dealing with some injuries this year and hasn't had his best year, but I thought that was a cool story that they hung out with the Major League Baseball player. Then Eli Dills just casually hanging out with Major League Baseball players out of nowhere was something that was is something that was not on my bingo card uh, for Sunday to hear. Well, I know that him and A.J. have been friends for quite some time now. In fact, when I was the stringer reporter last week at the Braves clubhouse, at Tropicana Field, I actually talked to AJ about Eli Dills. And he said, yeah, that's cool. I've heard of you because I, I mentioned my name. So uh, pretty neat there. And we also talked about AJ and his injury, and he wasn't too concerned about it at the time. I believe he went on the 15-day IL right after that game. But to media, he was downplaying it heading into the All-Star break. But, yeah, I know that Eli's been friends with AJ for a while, and uh, I mentioned it at the clubhouse last week at Tropicana Field for the Braves. And AJ's like, yeah, man, yeah, I know. Of you. Eli's talked about you, so pretty cool stuff there. But uh, continuing here with Major League Baseball and the upcoming trade deadline, Spence, Shohei Otani, the 29-year-old superstar, has uh, you know been in the headlines as of late as a potential trade target for teams across Major League Baseball as the Angels look like their season is over with in terms of playoff hopes. Even though there's still another half to go, they've pretty much – uh, tossed in the towel, Spence. Uh, what's your gut feeling regarding Shohei Otani, the 29-year-old, as we approach the trade deadline in about two weeks? Continuing here on the podcast, and I believe that we have, in fact, uh, lost Spencer, who is uh, doing our podcast from the car. Shohei Otani, the superstar, uh, the pitcher, the DH for the Los Angeles Angels in the headlines as a potential trade target here as we approach the trade deadline in about two weeks. So uh, very interesting stuff regarding Shohei, a 29-year-old superstar, really arguably the face of Major League Baseball. And uh, even though they have Mike Trout there 
with the Angels, the fact that, you know, Trouty has not really had much success in terms of playoff appearances, playoff wins, if any, uh, throughout his Major League Baseball career is uh, is interesting. It's sad to say the least. However, with that being said, they added Otani, and he's been phenomenal, and they still have struggled to make the postseason. So the fact that Shohei Otani has been unable to uh, to do anything with the Angels as far as playoff success and him wanting to win does have me feeling like the Angels might make a trade and give away the 29-year-old superstar which would be uh, utterly incredible regarding, you know, one guy on the move as we approach the trade deadline and and how he can help out other teams across Major League Baseball and help a team win, more importantly, because ultimately that is what uh, Shohei Otani wants. He said it at the All-Star game uh, a little bit over a week ago, hey, I want to win, and, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to be able to do that this year at least with the Los Angeles Angels. So, Shohei Otani will continue to, uh, you know, stay patient, continue to own his craft as he has done throughout his entire Major League Baseball career with the Angels, and we'll see what happens with that. Now, obviously, I'm joined again by Spencer Mathis. We continue to talk about Shohei Otani in the meantime, and Spence joins us right here from the car once more, and I was talking about Shohei Otani, the 29-year-old superstar, right near the trade deadline and the chatter of him potentially getting traded after his comments made at the All-Star game, Spence, about him wanting to win. And the Angels, they don't look like a team that's going to win this year. I know there's still half a season left, but just doesn't look too pretty there in Los Angeles. Yeah, and before I talk about that, I want to talk about um, hopefully I, I can get a new phone soon and finally get away from iPhones because this is the second or third time that I've tried to do a, a podcast on the iPhone and it just can't handle it. It's 80 degrees outside. It's on a very cold dash. The 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 AC is all the way turned up and again, it overheats by itself. So again, going past the iPhone and into the Android will be my next thing. But again, talking about Androids, Shohei Otani is the best player in baseball right now. He is literally a robot. Um, he just hit his 33rd home run last night. He's on the angels. And every time him or Mike Trout does something good, it seems like they still lose the game. There's a Twitter account that emphasizes that every single time they lose, it'll be like Otani hit for the cycle. Mike Trout hits two, uh, two run home runs as the Angels fell to whatever team they were playing nine to eight or whatnot because their pitching's horrendous, and those are really the only two guys that are producing on that team. And Mike Trout's not the same player that he was over the years. At least this season, he's not the exact same. He's having one of his down years, but of course, a down year for him is an mm-hmm. A plus season for a lot of guys. But Shohei Otani, on the other hand, is the best player in baseball. He's surpassed his teammate Mike Trout, and for Otani to say that he wants to go to a winning team, I think that's a, a big thing. But again. If you're the if you're the Angels, of course now you can get something for him. But do you want to trade him now and lose all your fans this season, or do you want to wait till next season? But the thing is, if they trade him now, which they should, I don't I forget when the trade deadline is. Of course, the All Star game first. Yeah, and the All Star break just ended, so they've got less than 15 days now to make that trade. But I think that that's something that they have to do. And the Tampa Rays, if they want to go in for a guy like Shohei Otani who can help them win a World Series, because they need pitching, they need hitting, and he offers both of those at elite levels, especially the hitting um, area, which the Rays have really struggled in the last uh, probably 10 of the last 15 games. Even even in the game uh, yesterday when you're listening to this podcast, the, the Kansas City Royals uh, were beating them 8-4 to four in the seventh inning. So that's a thing with the Rays where their hitting isn't as good as we remember at the start of the season because you look at the numbers of Randy Rosarina and Wander Franco, and both of those guys now are hitting 278, which wouldn't be top on a couple of teams, but it is on the race. 278 is good for the race, but on a lot of teams, 
that's not the top thing. And I think Luke Rayleigh is actually the leading batting average on the Rays with like a 285, which is not something that you want to see. If you get Shohei Otani on the Rays, even if it is just a rental for four months or three months, if the Rays make the playoffs, of course they will. But if they make a big run, I think it's worth it. I mean, I heard you and um, Nick Wise talking on the show on the Wise and Mathis on Saturday. It, would you trade for Shohei Otani if you get one World Series and then 10 years of bad baseball? I think the Rays could trade for Shohei Otani, get a World Series out of this, and then still make the playoffs the next couple of years because their team is already good in the major leagues. Of course, you'd have to trade away a couple of guys like Curtis Mead, uh, a couple of big prospects, maybe even a guy that just has made his name in the, in the major league baseball realm. And uh, I forget his name, the second baseman for the Tampa Bay race, who isn't looking great. Aranda, uh, not looking Aranda, good. Yeah. Aranda might be a guy. Aranda might be a guy they trade and maybe Todd Bradley too on the back end of the rotation. And I would be completely fine trading out, trading away Todd Bradley because at this point in his career, I mean, he's, this is his second season and we haven't really seen him go past five innings strong for at least two games in a row. So He's kind of a guy that's going to look like a bulk guy for the rates, but if you can keep Bradley, have him as your fifth, and get Shohei Otani for a ton, and it's going to be a ton of minor league players, big prospects that you're going to have to give up for him, I think it's worth it because the Rays right now with the roster that they have constructed is not going to win a World Series, and they're going to need more than just a starting pitcher. They're also going to need one good hitter if they want to make the run um, like they did in 2020. So it's a, it would be a huge trade for Tampa Bay Rays and, ne- and Neander, and I think it's something that they have to do if they really are serious about winning this World Series or at least trying to. Hopefully we can see something that they at least tried to trade uh, for Shohei Otani, which is what it's looking like. And, of course, three months of Otani, I think, is worth the World Series because most likely we're not going to be able to re-sign him if, if the Tampa Bay Rays were able to get him. He'd go to a bigger market, but he would already have that World Series under him, and that may sway his decision of going to a team like the New York Yankees or somebody like that, maybe going for more of a contender or like a bottom barrel team like the Tampa Bay Rays who have one big contract and that's Wander Franco. Why not make it two with what could be the greatest baseball player in major league baseball history. If he can do this for five or six more years. Yeah. And again, talking about Shohei Otani. Yeah. I'm generally speaking here, not only with just the Rays, but also, you know, major league baseball, would you be willing to sacrifice your entire farm system for several years, then maybe a couple of big leaguers, too, to get Shohei Otani. And, yeah, we talk about if it guarantees a World Series. That's what we talked about on Wise and Mathis on Saturday. However, there are no guarantees when it comes to baseball and making this trade. So what if you put all of your eggs in one basket, you trade it for Otani, and he goes down with an injury, and then you've lost half your farm, if not all of your farm, and then two or three guys that you know, make some MLB appearances throughout the season, like a Tosh Bradley or across Major League Baseball in general, just guys that, you know, get sent up and come back down on occasion to AAA regarding other injuries and when they're cold or, or whenever they're getting hot there at the plate or, you know, obviously on the bump for a Major League Baseball team. So the thing is, with the 29-year-old Shohei Otani, yeah, he is a superstar. And, yeah, he can hit the ball well. He can pitch the ball extremely well, too. However, you, it is a rental, and the thing is, are you really guaranteed you know, winning a World Series? For me, if I were uh, an organization like the Tampa Bay Rays who have yet to win a World Series, yes, I would feel like, okay, I think you should at least try to go all in, place a phone call, try to go all in, because uh, we heard earlier this week that from Bob Nightingale of USA Today on the Ronnie and T-Crash show that it might not take exactly what you think since it is just a, a three- or four-month rental two or three of your top 10 prospects right away would be what you might have to give up. They're not expecting a Juan Soto trade like we saw from the Nationals to the San Diego Padres. 
last year. So with that being said, it is a rental. It's like having a luxurious rental car, you know, whenever you're going on vacation. Yeah, it's a cool ride while it works, but as soon as you go turn the car in or if you have any issues, you're regretting, why did I spend so much on this rental car? Why did I do this? And I'm making that relatable to everybody out there. What if Shohei Otani goes down? And you really can't play the what if game and everything. However, in a situation like this where you do put your organization back, maybe not 10 years with an organization like the Rays, but I think a good three to five years, especially when you're in a great division as the Rays are with the Yankees, with the Red Sox, with the Orioles, with the Blue Jays, that some of those teams are struggling this year. But generally speaking, this is by far the best division in baseball right now, along with the NL East. Uh, of course, uh, they're consumed by the Atlanta Braves. So for me personally, I just don't know. I don't know if you were to make a trade for Otani, how much he pushes your uh, World Series odds over the hump regarding, okay, do the odds go, you know, plus 25% if you trade for this guy? Or is it maybe a 5 to 10% chance or, you know, stake here that they go up in search of a World Series? For me, I don't know. I, I think the appeal is there, but what – the what if, if he goes down, is just too much for me when it comes to this organization and the pieces here in Tampa, for example. And, and again, across the board with Major League Baseball, um, I, I just don't know if I would pull the trigger and make this move. Yeah, I think a lot of these hypothetical trades are forgetting the fact that Otani is not going to be with the Angels next season because he's not going to resign with a team like the Los Angeles Angels. So they're going to have to be willing. I think they're going to have to trade away Otani because this isn't a team that looks like a playoff team at all right now. And they're a team that's going to be selling at the deadline. They're not going to be getting any better. So why keep Otani right now whenever you could trade him for some prospects that would make this team at least competable within the next three or four years? And if you're getting race prospects, you're getting them from the Durham Bulls who are most likely going to win the AAA crown, which they seem to do every year. They're always in contention because the race have a top farm system. And you're going to get guys that are ready to play within one to two years if you trade with the Tampa Bay Rays. So... I think Otani will get deal will, will get dealt by the trade deadline this year. We just got to see who it is to. Hopefully it's to the Rays, and I think the Rays have some really good prospects that would really help out a team like the Los Angeles Angels. Of course, it's a little bit of bias speaking, but even if you're not biased right now, you can tell you know everybody around the league knows that the Tampa Bay Rays farm system is great, and the Tampa Bay Rays management is great at finding guys that are going to be MLB level players eventually. And I think that's what has. Um, contributed to this race success ever since Kevin Cash took over as manager eight or nine years ago now it's been they've been a team that has been able to compete ever since Joe Madden has left consistently at least over the last five years making the playoffs every year yeah no doubt and again I, I think Otani is the greatest player in Major League Baseball right now and he does separate himself he's on his own little island if you will of talent he is the best player across the league however making a move like this I think that you really have to be that confident that he helps you out just for two or three months. And on the flip side, do the Angels really want to give him up? Are they really ready to throw in this season and go ahead and give up? I don't know. You know, the competitive side of me says, hey, let's not give up just yet. But, you know, being real and seeing how far back the Angels are in their division, you do think, okay, this is this is a, a tall mountain to climb. And, yeah, Trout's been there. He's still there, but he's suffered – a little bit through injury as of late. He's still one of the best players in Major League Baseball, but Otani has far surpassed uh, Trout, at least as of right now. And I hear teams like the Yankees might be big buyers too, which the Yankees, they, they might be able to make a trade for him. Or if they do not make a trade, if the Angels do hang on to Otani, I do see the Yankees or the Dodgers paying big-time money next year whenever Otani's a free agent 
and Otani jumping ship and going to one of those big league clubs and saying, hey, you know what, I want to win. These are the two clubs that give me that best chance to win. And on top of that, they're going to give me boogoos of money and we're going to be rich. And uh, he already makes lots of money. However, uh, you know, the, the, the paycheck he's going to get probably will push like $600 million if I were to guess. Yeah, it's going to be a huge contract for Otani, but he's he may not want to be restrained to one team for over three years. And if, if, he, if he's looking at it like that, a lot of these guys that are making these big contracts right now are kind of getting stuck with teams after two or three years that – aren't going to be a very competitive team. So for a guy like Otani, who's going to be one of the best players in baseball for at least the next five years, maybe he doesn't want to get stuck with a team for, a, for more than three years. And that would maybe be a benefit for the Rays because I think they're a team that's willing to trade a, or willing to give up a little bit of money for a short amount of time, but not a, not a team that's going to go for a long period of time. So we'll see how that goes. Hopefully um, the Rays can get Otani. I think that'd be a huge, huge, huge pickup. Probably the biggest deal ever at the trade deadline for anybody if the Rays were to land. Shohei Otani because they're already the second best team in baseball. Imagine them with the best player in baseball. That may make them the best team in baseball. All right, real quick as we wrap up the baseball aspect of the show, a lot to get into regarding the NFL. D-Hop just signed with a new team. We'll talk about that. And is D-Hop career, is it over with now that he is, well, we'll mention his new team here in just a moment. But this episode of TCM Pod brought to you by Ivy Log Meat Processing, newly renovated shop with great staff, Booking harvest dates right now. Check out the description down below or give them a call 706-745-0011 or visit ivylogmeatprocessing.com. Also check them out on Facebook as well. That's Ivy Log Meat Processing LLC on Facebook. They bring you each and every edition of the Chris Mathis podcast. And continuing with Otani right here, right now, if you are the Rays, or a team like the Rays, but the Rays are the best realistic shot here as far as a team just needing that extra push as the number two team in Major League Baseball right now behind the Atlanta Braves. Would you trade the farm for a two- or three-month rental right now for Shohei Otani? For me, I say no. I don't think that the benefit of making this trade is enough to say, hey, you know what? He pushes us to that upper level uh, and guarantees that we're going to make a deep playoff run. I think the Rays, if they get their bats alive here in the second half like they were for the majority of the first half, they don't have anything to worry about as long as the pitchers stay safe and stay healthy. And I think that the Rays should trade for a starting pitcher over Shohei Otani. Spence, if you're the Rays and Eric Neander, would you make this move and cash all in here for Shohei Otani for maybe two, three, four months? Yeah, I think you would only, like I said earlier, I think that the hypotheticals are getting out of hand. And then you also made a good point about that as well. A lot of guys, are, a lot of people are thinking maybe the Rays are going to have to trade five of the top 10 prospects that most likely more realistically be two or three with a, maybe even just two prospects with a, with the starter now um, on the major league team. That's an everyday guy that can play outfield, which they'd probably need as well. So maybe a guy um, like Manuel Margot, I think would be the only expendable outfielder for the Tampa Bay Rays right now, which I don't think a team like the angels would want to be able to pick up his contract. So they're going to want guys that are in the minor leagues. And I think regardless of, of who you have to trade within the Rays farm system, I think Otani is a guy a generational player that is worth trading uh, the barn that you have in, in the minor leagues. And even if it takes three or four, maybe even five minor league players, I think it's worth the trade because he is the best player in baseball. And I think he's going to continue to be that even if he was just, even if he was restrained to DH or pitcher or outfielder or pitcher, I think you still make the trade. It, whoever, whoever you are as a team, because anybody, any major league baseball team could use a guy like Otani right now. And the Rays, especially more than anybody. And moving on now, of course, talking Otani, we want to hear from you guys right here. Tweet us, message us on Instagram, at TCM Pod, 
or also comment down below. Give this a like and a review on Spotify, Apple Podcast, YouTube, and uh, iHeartRadio app as well. But DeAndre Hopkins has been big talk this offseason. Spencer, as he is officially a free agent, or he was until yesterday in which he signed with one team. And it's a team that had been rumored to have interest in him and that he had mutual interest in, but I did not expect them to land him. And I'm talking about the 29-year-old, or I should say the 31-year-old wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins has officially signed a two-year deal with the Tennessee Titans. It's a a two-year deal, $26 million with up to $32 million in incentives over a two-year span. So my initial reaction to this is what was he thinking, number one? Number two, how much better does this make the Tennessee Titans? DeAndre Hopkins, obviously they have Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. Eh. And Derrick Henry, who's getting a little bit older. I just don't know if this is the right fit for DeAndre Hopkins, but what say you, Spence? Obviously, the Bills had some interest, I hear. Also, the New England Patriots, a few other teams as well were interested in D-Hop ahead of uh, this upcoming 2023 season. Yeah, I mean, for DeAndre Hopkins, 31 years old is old for a receiver. He's probably got two more years, which is what he's dedicating his prime to is the Tennessee Titans, and either your quarterback's going to be Ryan Tannehill or what? <laughs> so, obviously, he's not a guy that's willing to take a pay cut to win now. He's going to the Tennessee Titans, who are a team with a great defense, which is what he wanted, a great coaching staff. They're always going to be, in the in, at least in the playoffs. Maybe he's the guy to transcend them to the next level because just a couple of years ago, that was a team that was in the AFC Divisional, was a, a top team in the AFC for two or three years whenever Derrick Henry was in his prime. And right now, as a running back, Derrick Henry's getting up there as well. He may be leaving his prime, and it's not even a maybe at this point. It's definitely heading into this season. He's not going to be the same tailback that he was over the last two years. But the big thing for me to look at is your quarterback is Ryan Tannehill. And I think that's the thing where you're kind of thinking maybe DeAndre Hopkins doesn't want to win these games right now because with Tannehill, you're going to need a good quarterback to win. I think the NFL has shown that over the last three years. Used to be defense wins championships. Now you look at the teams, the quarterbacks that are winning the Super Bowl. Recently we've had Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, these are teams with good defenses and good quarterbacks. You can't just win with a good defense anymore like the Buccaneers did in 2002. You have to have a really good quarterback. I mean, you can have a good quarterback. Tannehill is probably an average quarterback when he's healthy, but you have to have a guy that can go over and above. Uh, and Ryan Tannehill is not that guy, and the Tennessee Titans are not the team in the AFC. And I think for him to go from an NFC team in the Arizona Cardinals to an AFC team in the AFC, if you looked at the division, the most stacked conference that I've seen um, probably in my lifetime watching football, at least in terms of quarterbacks, and you're going to to a division going against great, 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 great talents. I mean, you got to go up against the Colts, who are, of course, a newer team. That division is not the best, but overall, the conference, the AFC, and the teams are going to be playing in the playoffs are literally insane. So a terrible decision, in my opinion, for DeAndre Hopkins, but I mean, go get the bag if you can. Why not chase it? And I think that's what exactly what DeAndre Hopkins was doing by going to the Tennessee Titans. I don't think it was a good decision for him business-wise because the Titans seems to be where careers go to die. I mean, you remember Julio Jones, of course, he had all those injury problems. He was still nearly in his prime, but he kind of ended his career with the Tennessee Titans. Of course, he went to play for the Buccaneers last season. was not the same Julio Jones that we had seen before, and I think the Titans were the last time that we saw him be decent. So another another name to mention there, Randy Moss ended his career basically yep. with the Titans. Um, Andre Johnson. There's been a couple of more as well. I just don't think that the Titans have ever been a, a receiver-friendly team or just an offensive team in general. And going over to 
the Tennessee Titans when your quarterback is Ryan Tannehill, I think was a bad move for him if he ever wants to win anything because when this contract ends, he's out of his he's out he's out. I mean, I think he's got maybe one more year as a number three guy or number two guy, which Julio was last season, maybe even a number four because thirty one is old for a receiver, and when he ends his contract, he'll be uh, nearing thirty four. So I, not a good decision for Hopkins. Yeah, and also on top of that, it's almost as if you read my pre-show notes because I did have that down. I had Randy Moss, I had Julio Jones, I had Andre Johnson going to Tennessee with the Titans and really having their careers die, per se. And I think that that's the case right here with DeAndre Hopkins because the guy, he only played nine games last year. He suffered through an injury, only played nine games. And also a comment that made me kind of shocked and, and rose my eyes a little bit, my eyebrows, is what he said about He'll be done playing football when he quits getting a thousand yards and a full season. And, and the fact that you're already thinking about that at the age of 31 goes to tell me that, you know what, I, I think that he loves the game, but I don't think that he's what he was. He knows that he's not what he is and what he has been throughout his career. And he just chased the bag, which is okay professionally. Go get the money. However, the fact that he went to Tennessee with the Tennessee Titans and Ryan Tannehill and a team that's really struggling and a team that's going to have to face. Again, you talk about the AFC South, nothing too incredible. Houston Texans might win a handful of games. Same thing with the Colts this year. However, the Jags are in that division, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they're going to have a really good year this year. And the AFC is a juggernaut. So I think it was a bad move, a bad business decision. Obviously, I think he had to have been seeking the money and only the money in this case. But uh, again, this is uh, something we'll have to watch out for. I don't think DeAndre Hopkins in Tennessee is going to work. He might have fun. He's been friends and worked out in the past with Derrick Henry. But this move right here is exactly why I don't do my fantasy football draft in July. I wait till closer to kickoff and uh, closer to training camp. And speaking of training camp and the NFL, I did yeah, reach one, out one to more th- one more thing about the Titans. I don't want to discredit how good the Titans are with Mike Vrabel as their head coach, but just Tannehill being the quarterback is just not the way for DeAndre Hopkins to go. But maybe, maybe Ryan, maybe uh, DeAndre Hopkins was sold by Mike Vrabel, who's a, a, an incredible head coach, and you can't look past that because that one year, whenever they went to the AFC Divisional, they had the most injuries in NFL history in terms of starters going down and missing games, and they ended up finding their way to the AFC Divisional. So maybe he's seeing something that we don't see in. Um, a guy like Ryan Tannehill, but I think a team that he should have looked out for, of course, maybe he wants to be the number one and whatnot, but a team that he really should have looked out for was the Minnesota Vikings because if they would have had Justin Jefferson and DeAndre Hopkins at receiver with the defense that they've already built and their new head coach, I think they would have been a juggernaut and a team that would have gone far in the NFC. But the Titans are in the AFC and DeAndre Hopkins should not be there. That's where he ended up going. I don't think they're going to be a team – they're going to make the playoffs, but they're not going to make an actual push versus a team like the Kansas City Chiefs versus a team like the Cincinnati Bengals, maybe even the New York Jets. Maybe they could squeeze past them. I don't even foresee that. I don't see them beating Aaron Rodgers in the Jets defense. So I just think it was a bad decision for him, but we'll see how that goes uh, throughout the season. I don't think – I don't think – I think this kind of moves DeAndre Hopkins. Speaking of the, uh, the fantasy drafts, this moves DeAndre Hopkins out of the first three or four rounds at least. Yeah, and again, you're talking about the Vikings and their wide receiver core. They also drafted Jordan Addison, which would have been fun to watch the trio of Jordan Addison, of course, Justin Jefferson, and uh, our guy, DeAndre Hopkins. But uh, you know what? With that being said, you talk about Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. I'm going to go watch uh, episode one of Quarterback on Netflix tonight. That looks fun. And I'm three in. I'm through three. It's a very good show. It's like Hard Knocks on crack. Great. I I love Hard Knocks. Even my girlfriend Nia, who doesn't, 
who's who's get, kind of getting into the NFL for last season because um, she's kind of forced to with me being an NFL fan. She loves the show, and of course, she likes Patrick Mahomes because you can't really hate Patrick Mahomes. The only thing that she doesn't like is his voice. But I mean, even <laughs> even looking at, she can even see the differences in these in these three quarterbacks. She was she noted the fact that Marcus Mariota only watches film. Ryan Tannehill at least recovers and watches film. And then you look over at, at what um, Patrick Mahomes is doing, and it's insane to see how he trains compared to the other two quarterbacks. He, and not discrediting Kirk Cousins because I'm a fan of Kirk Cousins, especially after watching this show. But looking back at Marcus Mariota, you're kind of like, wow, you can kind of see why Ooh. the Atlanta Falcons couldn't win the division last year because Marcus Mariota, you'll see at least in the first couple episodes, threw away a couple games uh, just based on the fact that he's kind of a crybaby, it seems. I, at one point in the show – they were talking about Marcus. They were talking to Marcus Mariota after they hit the bye week or whatnot, and he's like, "Yeah, man, I hate losing. It just puts me in a dark place." So he's a guy who can't deal with losing. Yep. Not sure even where he ended up um, heading into next season, but he's definitely not a starter again in the National Football League. And I think that this show kind of hurt him even more in terms of becoming a starter again. Yeah, and the thing is, they agree to do this show, Spencer, ahead of the season. So it's not like you know they can back out after they make the agreement. Hey, I'm going to take part. Uh, instead, they filmed it throughout the season last year, and uh, he stuck with it. So it will be interesting to see how this shakes out. I am going to check out uh, episode one later on tonight. We'll talk more about it next week right here on the pod. And as I was mentioning before you brought up the quarterbacks, I reached out to Patrick Johnson, our friend with the Philadelphia Eagles, to join us here on the pod, hopefully Thursday of this week. So I'll keep you posted on that. Follow us on social media, at L Savage Spence and at the Chris Mathis. More importantly, Go like, comment, and subscribe at TCM underscore pod. At TCM underscore pod. That's it. Peace. We'll talk to you next week.